A very good day, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, to Europe Calling. And today is the 31st of January 2023. That's a 12th of the year gone by. So our weather overnight has been down to zero, which uh, is a bit on the cold side for us because we don't normally go down to zero, but... A uh, nice walk on the beach, bit of fresh air, and uh, looking at the mountain, lots of very clear definition on the mountain. Very good day. Welcome then to Barbara Ann, and uh, how do you like this cold weather? Uh, well, uh, I don't like cold weather, but uh, fortunately, live, as you say, living in Spain, it doesn't last very long. And if you wrap up, uh, lovely blue sky, not grey skies and horrible. So, yeah, it's nice. Have a brisk walk and uh, get back and have a nice hot cup of tea. OK, so let's uh, see what the UK press has to offer this week. OK, so off we go. I have to pinch myself sometimes to just uh, realise why I still make these podcasts because when I started doing it, you know, uh, there was none of this rather strange world. Uh, this, the world was always a bit uh, difficult at times, but not as strange as it has become. You'll see what I mean as I look at the first of our stories from the UK press. So we, of course, have King Charles now, uh, less of the Spaniels and more monarchy again, as King Charles took two helicopter trips in 24 hours to open the new Africa Centre in London, where he discussed the effects of climate change. Now, the monarch opted to fly the 112 miles from the Royal Sandringham Estate in Norfolk to London, where he joined in a discussion about how the effects of climate change in Africa could be mitigated as it is estimated his total journey of 224 miles would have used hundreds of gallons of aviation fuel. Um, a notice to air missions was issued on January the 26th for a no-flight zone between Sandringham and London from 11.15 to 12.50. So, in other words, for an hour... Nobody else could get on with the work that they had to do um, in, a, in a normal context of a plane taken off with passengers going about their legitimate, um, you know, business. Plus, of course, the must, there must be a cost involved in that. So uh, I don't really understand why somebody can be accused at the one ha on the one hand of adding hundreds of gallons of aviation fuel as he goes to talk about climate uh, effects. And um, the, the two doesn't, they don't really sit comfortably with each other for me. Well, what do you think? Well, well I, I totally agree. And when they're pushing and pushing for everyone to uh, eventually have electric cars or even hybrid cars, um, 
you know, we we travel a hundred kilometers. Um, it takes about to go to us to see my son in uh, Valencia. Uh, it takes just over an hour. Uh, you know, we have a lovely, beautiful electric car. Uh, he could do his laptop or whatever he wants to do or have a chat. Um, yeah, I just think it's a bit um, hypocrit- hypocritical, really, because if he's going to do a, a talk on, on that, and then he's doing exactly what he doesn't want people to do. And it's just... I, look, I understand that there are lots of very, very uh, violent people in society these days who might want to create a bit of damage to a, any particular person, not just the king, but... Um, I understand that, but um, why can't they just use video conferencing and things like that? Because unless you desperately need to be somewhere, um, in which case, why don't you do what everybody else does? Just just plan the trip. Yeah, uh, that's a good idea, really. A, a, a visual video conference, a big screen, it's like a virtual as if he is there. And it would save a heck of a lot of money and less stress for everybody as bodyguards and everybody else. Yeah, that's a good idea. Good idea. I, I don't really understand uh, a lot of... Th- I think it's hypocrisy because when you're being told that, um, you know, I- in terms of Britain, because obviously this podcast is looking at the UK news... If you're told that uh, everybody else has got to fasten their belts and, um, you know, go, go over to an electric uh, car, for example, and then you look at Britain as part of the globe, it's a pinprick. Um, OK, no, a um, bit of an exaggeration, but it is a very small group of islands, which um, I'm told account for about a, a 1% of global emission, emissions. So um, sometimes you can understand the language, sometimes it's difficult to understand the language, but that bit I can understand because I look at the map and I see it with my eyes, look at a globe, and it's even more easy to spot. So um, for somebody to bang on about climate change, another thought goes through my mind, which is basically, I don't know if you've seen this series, but there's a series by an archaeologist on Netflix. And I look at this series and it shows you um, on the other side of the planet. In fact, I was looking yesterday, um, there was something about Serpent Mound. I think it's Idaho in America. And you see things which they tell you these are experts, not um, just people with opinions. They, they, they are telling us. So uh, if I go by this particular expert, he says that these things have been around since about 9,000 years before Christ. So if you've got things like that on the one hand, and then they're telling us in that series that there are uh, great events which give you a really cataclysmic change on the planet. It makes me understand a lot easier that um, weather patterns are cyclical and therefore uh, there is probably very little that we can do to minimise the change of climate. So if that is the case, and I'm not telling you I'm right, all I'm telling you is this is what I find difficult, then surely um, there's mischief afoot to try and make us all believe that we've got to change over to 
um, electric cars. And then if you then believe other things that you're shown, where Prince Charles is a member of certain international uh, clubs which seem to work in very different ways to the rest of us. I find the whole thing very, very difficult to understand. And I'm sure that I don't think I'll be alone. Uh, what do you think? Well, it, it, it always boils down to one rule for them and a completely different rule for the rest of us. I mean, it always has done. And I think it always will. I mean, as you say, uh, we've been watching these programmes who they've said there was the Great Flood, there was the... the um, uh, sorry, the, the flood and uh, what was the other earthquakes, volcano eruptions, loads of climate change things that changed the face of the whole earth. You know the, the positioning and everything else. So um, now it's the oh, in the ice age when uh, all that happened. So it's a climate change, and as I say, it's difficult to understand. Um, why people can't see that it is climate change. For instance, now we've got this severe cold weather. England's got cold weather. I think Australia's got cold weather. So what happens, uh, you know, about this global warming thing? I mean, it just it just doesn't sit right with me that um, it is... I mean, obviously, I know plastic's got to stop and things like that, and that the... the um, the uh, the rubbish in the seas and things like this for the plants and the and which the, we uh, can we can do that exactly we can do this uh, we can clear the beaches we can stop the plastic which I think is is gradually happening um, everything to be recycled and things like that but it's only a small amount but it it all adds up but I think at the end of the day England over many years has always wanted to be the trailblazer or ever, you know, to be the first to do everything and I think they want to be seen to be the forefront of um, changing um, you know changing the attitude of uh, global warming and things like that you know but um, I don't know I don't know okay what, what? difficult to understand so if that is the case um all we can really say is uh, please just uh, keep an eye on things and make if, your if own mind up. But if everybody did their own bit, like take your rubbish home, all the normal things that you'd expect, normal human beings that look after the planet, if we all did our bit, things wouldn't be as bad. Okay, here comes the next one. Okay, now it's quite clear to see that a lot of us, uh, if we're older, we will find a lot of what's going on very, very unusual, very, very difficult to understand. And from reading the press, I didn't actually see this on the TV, but I've seen a video of it. Uh, again, uh, this is just absolutely baffling because... For me to be educated, first of all, to A-level and then uh, go away and uh, spend years of my life as an older person uh, learning things and then eventually becoming a teacher and teaching things. I find this one absolutely astonishing, if I'm honest.
Okay, so um, we are talking about a programme on the UK TV and it's called Good Morning Britain. And uh, one of the presenters is a guy called Richard Maidley. Um, for those that obviously watch the programmes, you might well have seen this. And apologising for misgendering Sam Smith. This was on Monday morning and uh, Richard Maley is now 66 and he had been debating whether or not uh, this Sam Smith's latest music video, uh, which was for I'm Not Here to Make Friends, is over-sexualised. Uh, when the slip-up happened, listen to this, the slip-up happened. Smith 30 is non-binary, which is baffling to people of my education, age and intelligence and uses the pronouns they or them. And Maidley was talking about the scenes in Smith's video when he accidentally referred to them as he. Now, this is errant nonsense. I'm an English teacher. I know what I'm talking about. Pronouns are set up for a reason. If you go back through the history of the English language, you'll understand it. If you want to just become one of these people that's just going to accept everything blindly, you might find it uh, me that's the problem. But as an English teacher, I know the difference between talking rubbish and uh, expressing yourself in a way that other people can understand you and talking nonsense on a TV show. So, first of all, um, this uh, guy, I've seen the video of his um, pop music, shall we say, and when children are treated to um, somebody who looks like a man who basically is twirling his nipples with one of those little things that you can um, tassel, they're called, um, and then wearing sort of strange clothing around his midriff. I'm not going to be explicit here because we do have people who particularly don't want to listen to this sort of stuff maybe too often. But I want to show you that uh, for my way of looking at it, it was over-sexualized. I wouldn't want to see it and I certainly wouldn't want my kids to be looking at it. So if you'll accept my word for that, and then because the pre presenter of a program um, calls this person that looked like a man, he, um, he's corrected and told it should be they or them. Well, sorry, they or them is plural. Okay, you can call uh, non-binary as plural if you want, but that's nonsense. All this does not make sense. And if you are educated and of a certain age, you'll see through this and obviously see that it's errant nonsense designed, in my opinion, to confuse family values. There's no doubt in my mind this is about confusing family values. And quite honestly, we've had this before in the 80s. I think it was um, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, a Liverpool group who were doing similar things. Uh, obviously, it was all pushing the gay uh, agenda in those days, whereas now we're into this nonsensical area. OK, I've uh, ranted on about this because I feel so strongly. Um, over to a female point of view, what do you think of what I've just been saying? Well, 
I, I actually totally agree because uh, what what um, what you were saying about English and uh, the spoken English and the learning of English in schools for children, um, we all know that the correct way to say things. And as you say, it looks like they're trying to totally um, confuse the younger generation. I mean, it's just so obvious. I mean, a man is a man and a woman is a woman. And I know there's certain people who want to change their sex through physical reasons or whatever, or mental reasons. But at the end of the day, why should we, as um, heterosexuals, in uh, the majority of people are heterosexuals, why should we change our English language to suit them? I mean, it's, it's absolutely stupid. I mean, if you say, oh, he is uh, a good-looking man, and he says, oh, I'm not a he, I'm a they. I mean, I just wouldn't, I, you know, I just wouldn't understand what he's talking about. I, I mean, I, I can't, I keep saying this, I think, in the past. Let them do what they want to do, but don't try and change the majority of people's thinkings. Let, let them get on with this. That's all I'm saying. I, I completely agree that... You know, when we used to walk around and every now and again, somebody would pass you in the streets and you knew that they were not like the rest of us. Now, that doesn't mean to say that we're totally uh, no. always right about everything. They're and just the, different. They're different. They? They're different. And, and you, I mean, like, we used to listen to people use the French phrase, vive la différence. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, you just accept just it. Just accept it, yeah. I mean, but I mean, when I went back to college, and I was 36 when I went to do my degree, um, the we, we had a lad at the college who used to go round dressed as, um, I think it was Eichmann, the man was called, one of the... Um, one of the the Nazis, and basically everybody knew that this guy was not just different, but he was um, definitely out on a limb because most people didn't want to be associated with him. To, and didn't agree with him. So that's what I'm trying to say. You know, a majority. If you talk about the majority, they they are the tiniest minority of people, but they're trying to change the the majority. And make us feel that we're we're strange for not accepting it. I'm not I'm not the greatest fan of Richard Madeley, uh, but I'm thinking why should he have to apologise? Yeah, when he's been brought up when, with the English language. Well, he knows exactly what he's doing. He he knew damn well that that he he probably would have somebody object, but he probably felt feels as badly about this as I do. You know, um, how are we supposed to? bring children up correctly and, and help them develop themselves in life. We've had a system that's lasted for donkey's years, certainly well before I came to the planet. And people come to England for their education. For, foreigners come to the universities to speak Oxford English. I mean, it's written in books. It's never going to change. And what they're trying to do is trying to, trying to change it, which is absolutely stupid. Okay, we're not happy. Um, not happy. So we better move on because uh, all this is very confusing uh, to people that are uh, educated and know the difference between right and wrong and stupidity and being sensible. sensible. Yeah.
Okay, we're looking at the news in the UK as it's written and available for everybody to read. So I'm reading this article, the fullest picture yet of how an asylum seeker, now the name I probably will mispronounce, Lawangin Abdulrahim Zai. This guy blasted two men to death in a gangland assassination in Serbia before pretending to be a child to con British authorities and get into the UK. Uh, This was all in the papers. I'm reading the article and documents have been obtained by uh, one of the newspapers in England. uh, Detail how the Afghan was involved as an enforcer in the lucrative human trafficking trade. Now, this is just absolutely obscene. It sends thousands of young men across Europe to Britain and how he gunned down two rival traffickers. Um, The case has become notorious after it emerged that he'd been able to get into Britain claiming to be 14, fleeing the war in Afghanistan, when he was already an adult double killer, before going on to stab an innocent stranger, a 21-year-old in Bournemouth. The government has said it will examine how the defendant was able to enter the UK falsely, claiming to be a minor a year after murdering two men in Serbia and an attempt to answer these questions. uh, The the, the paper actually travelled to Serbia to investigate his case there. Serbian authorities initially tried to suppress the release of these public papers, claiming publication of the botched police investigation was not in the Serbian national interest. Now, that's what I read in the paper. I think I'm... For all to see. Yeah, I'm normally quite good at being able to see the age of somebody. Now and again, and I can remember coming unstuck a couple of times, I remember going into a primary school and there was a young lady sat at the desk and I thought she was a trainee teacher, so I thought she'd be about 18. And it turns out that she was 11. And um, I think it's only twice it's happened... But I have, be, I have been thrown by somebody's age like that. Um, but, I mean, if somebody uh, has been able to make himself look 14, then, I mean, you would expect him to be described as like a baby-faced assassin. Thin, otherwise, small, you know, small in stature and everything else. You know? Otherwise, you'd be asking yourself, you know, about a 14-year-old, and it does happen that, you know, some 14-year-olds can grow a beard, Um, But I think this is one of the best examples I've ever seen of how inept the border officials must be and how wrong everything is that somebody like that can get into Britain and be treated and fated and put into hotels and the things that we do know are going on. Because we've seen the videos, so we know it's not a fabrication and we've seen the numbers are, you know, thousands upon thousands. Come on. There is much more going on here than um, I think people are being told. For what reason? I mean, this, when you look at these other three things that we have discussed today, you can see if you look for the links, there are links. Something is going on. It must be orchestrated by people 
And therefore, if it's a government level, it's got to be government level. I mean, how else would you stop people coming into your country? Because you know as well as I do, if you or I or anybody else tries to go from country A to country B, you need a passport. You can't just walk around without papers. I'm really surprised that that still seems to be the order of the day in Britain. What are your thoughts on it? Well, again, I totally agree. I mean, it's just completely getting out of hand. And um, I think people are starting to uh, really stand up against it now and say, what the heck is going on? I mean, the latest was the amount of uh, seaside hotels in in England that now have been given by the by the um, government, sorry, the government, um, possibly a year of um, money uh, to put these people up, which is a lot of money for the hotel, but it just stops people going to that seaside resort to um, because you're frightened that who you're gonna who you're gonna bump into. You know as well as I do. If we saw somebody in trouble, somebody that needed help, a refugee, call it what you will, you and I and our friends would want to help that person. I don't yeah. know many people that wouldn't want to help them. We hear people talking, they're against it, but I still think our traditions would want us to help that person. Exactly, they're not but, all bad. But we watch week in and week out um, parties of people coming in on boats if this had been going on during the Second World War, England wouldn't be in a, a position to help anybody now mm. because it would have been... I'm going to read another article which I think should be probably um, uh, connected with this and it's the false identity of a Romanian now called Sergei Bagrin. He was detained for five months before, before being freed in March with an admonition by the Stranraer Sheriff Court. That's up in Scotland, by the way, for those listening in that don't know the geography. Now, then he moved to Devon, where he obtained a false driving licence and got a job as a delivery driver. So uh, this guy um, had already racked up four unpaid speeding tickets in two months of driving for DPD at their depot near St. Austell, which, again, we know these places... Uh, so, at uh, the crash with a Mr. Colwell then occurred when he failed to stop at a giveaway sign on a country road in Ashwater, North Devon. Uh, Mr. Colwell was riding his motorcycle perfectly safely but had no chance to avoid the transit as it sped across the main road he was using. He was fatally injured and thrown into a ditch where his family, who lived very close, found him in a terrible pain. He had become a grandfather for the first time a year earlier and his family had been left heartbroken by his death. His wife Karen and daughters Emma and Natalia all wrote personal statements which were read to Exeter Court. Um, Emma sobbed as she told how the family's suffering had been aggravated by this guy from Romania who uh, has been calling himself um, Stratton and that he'd been lying, especially after they saw him on his knees at the scene, apparently praying. You see, this um, is is now at very personal level where you've got people who obviously are distraught by some of these things. I mean, if you've got a, a member of your family killed mm. by anybody driving a van, you, you'd know straight away that... Um, yeah, but doesn't it go back to the beginning of um, when he went for this job? Like anybody 
anybody I know in all my working life, you get references, you check that their um, driving license is real. If the police can do it at the roadside, they say, is this guy, um, you know, legally got a, a license? Don't they do checks now? Don't I mean, to give somebody the responsibility of driving a car or a van, I should say, even worse, uh, without the, uh, the the actual strong checks on, on that person. I just can't understand it. I mean, in our day, you had to have references, you had to have, uh, you know, all your paperwork done and all that, and they checked that you hadn't had any speeding fines and all that. Don't they do that now? Well, if they do it, they don't. They obviously don't do it properly because from the time that, you know, you and I would have been driving a lot in the UK... We always used to have everything absolutely uh, spot on, same as they do here in Spain. In in a general sense, the checking is it's something that you're always a bit worried about, aren't you? Yeah, but I mean, if you get stopped or if he if he's had fines, um, do you have speeding fines, hasn't he, before the, for two months Apparently or something so. like that? Well, I mean, that should throw up alarm bells for the, for the employee. I well, mean, I mean, the thing is, I, I'm reading, I, I'm looking uh, every day, I'm looking at different papers, so I'm looking to see where we can cl- uh, connect the dots, because I think part of the problem is that people hear stories in isolation. I certainly don't see much of this being discussed on TV programmes, and we do look around the stations to try and see if, you know, maybe this stuff is being discussed at greater levels. Uh, But I'm looking now at another story, and two Albanians allowed to stay in the UK as victims of modern slavery. Don't forget, I don't write this stuff. I'm reading it like anybody can read, and then trying to apply what sense I can to it. Now, these um, have been allowed to stay in the UK as victims of modern slavery, been arrested on suspicion of running a people smuggling ring. So we go back to last May and the pair arrived in a small boat and were detained before being released with an electronic tag. So they won their claim to be victims of modern slavery and were given discretionary leave to remain as well as access to benefits and support. This is amazing what I'm reading. But then they were arrested in Belgium when the National Crime Agency and Belgian police foiled an alleged attempt to smuggle migrants to the UK using a high-speed inflatable. The pair, who were living in Basingstoke, which is down in Hampshire in the south of England, allegedly took the boat from the UK to Belgium to collect 12 Albanians in the early hours of October the 30th. Police were waiting for the boat and arrested the pair off the coast of Depan, which is in western Flanders, a short time later. Officers found 12 Albanian Eight men, three women and a child aged five, waiting to board. The alleged smugglers are being held in prison in Bruges, which is Belgium. A third man, who's a 46-year-old, was arrested by the NCA in Aylesbury, Buckinghamshire, later the same day on suspicion of assisting unlawful immigration. He remains in custody and is being questioned. The trio are alleged to be part of a gang behind a series of people smuggling runs to the UK from Europe. Now, from Europe, uh, this is from Belgium, 
The boat used by this organisation was much more powerful than the boats we have been in, uh, intercepted in recent months. Um, it's always been very small boats, usually of questionable quality, which were still transported in the original box. Now, you're sitting there listening to this. You, you would honestly think I'm, I'm making it up, wouldn't you? Mm. Well, I think in general, um, I mean, not not just England, but I mean, in general, people are just getting fed up of it. I mean, uh, there doesn't seem to be any strict uh, rulings anymore. And they and they come in with their lies. They come in with no papers. They come in with saying they're um, not, not who they are. They're not the same age. And then you find out stories like this, that they're smugglers anyway, um, and traffickers. Um, I, I really can't understand how people are putting up with this. Um, it. It's going to come to a head because the government aren't, don't seem to be doing anything um, to, to change it. I mean, they say they are, but they're still coming in and they're still accepting them. Do you ever watch that programme Question Time on BBC TV? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, practically every time I watch it, I think to myself, this is a, a wishy-washy programme uh, with an invited audience, so they can't really get anybody who's totally irate about this. Um, and, of course, uh, they have the panellists. And week in and week out, you see a very, uh, so shall we say, a serene uh, panel who basically never seem to get really irate and very cross, um, very, very occasionally you'll get a member of the audience who's irate. But in a general sense, it's typical the BBC controlling that they're giving out information, but they're not really allowing anybody to be totally and utterly, um, uh, you know, irate's just one word that I, I would come to mind. This is nonsense, isn't it? Well, as you said before, um, I would say the majority of people would help anybody in the street or if, if they knew they'd been um, in, in a bad situation in their country. Yes, of course that. But I would, I would say that the majority aren't like that. The majority, when they say that the... I mean, even they've said on the television, why are they coming to England when they, could, when they stop in... Uh, they're not in um, bad countries in France and Germany, but they still take that uh, journey over to England... Why? When when they're not um, well, it's in because they're it, not in danger. It's because of the money, you, you know. Yeah. Be, so the only logic that I can apply to this, without sort of, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. I don't want to do that. But there must be something that's driving this, because the figures that I read are around a hundred thousand people are living in hotels and camps Boats and places and, yeah. uh, that have been provided for them. Um, I by mean, you, can, you can understand the general public who are in this heat crisis, the the the, the um, petrol crisis, you know, the pricing, the heat uh, bills, the electricity. the electricity bill, everything's going up. While these people, uh, again, I'm not saying they're all bad, but the majority, why is it that the government are, are um, what's the word, um, giving more preference to them than the people who live there, who've paid the taxes for whatever amount, or still paying taxes, the pensioners who have still uh, paid taxes for 30, 40 years, 
they're not treating them at the same uh, value as they are refugees who you don't know their backgrounds, they haven't paid anything to England. That's what people are getting so, so annoyed about. Well, well, I think the other thing, if you've got people coming in from countries and, I mean, Afghanistan and Romania are two countries that keep cropping up all the time, um, but if you haven't got the same values, mm, it's not mm. just about trying to help people if you've got people that haven't got the values they don't know maybe uh, they've never been i don't know because i i just don't know enough about their countries but i would imagine from what we're told and how we're educated they haven't really been through the same value system that some of our um people seem to have forgotten were part of the way we've all been brought well, yes, up especially if the majority again are young men so they've been in that that the, the country with the violence, the killings, uh, the rape, um, all all the horrible things that for them is is what well, not normal but accepted, and then they come over to another the West country, you know, like Germany, France, England, who they just haven't got the same values as us because they've never seen it. So they they think it's acceptable that you can uh, follow a girl and, you know, hassle her and all that carry on. That you can drive a car and you can kill people, you know, like you have an accident and you can lie. Because in their country, I suppose, they don't have as many rules. Well, I mean, we don't know for sure. But I'll tell you one way they can quickly assimilate the, the worst aspect of some of the way people live. And that is to get near a TV set. Because the thing that doesn't really seem to be doing uh, or being done, nobody seems to be able to challenge the amount of really violent and bad television. Uh, I'm putting a value judgment on it based on the way that I was brought up, educated and my religious beliefs. But I do know that it's a good belief system for looking at something on the TV and deciding that should not be being shown like we started off with this particular uh, song by the uh, the guy that was wanting to be called They and Them. I mean, come on, wake up everybody. This is becoming nonsensical. It doesn't make sense to anybody who can stand back and have a look at and see what's going on. I'm going to move on because quite frankly, it, it just gets sillier and sillier. Mm. All in the papers, every single thing that I'm doing is reading what is available for everybody to see. A glamorous mother of three is facing up to eight years in a hellhole Spanish jail. Notice the word hellhole. Um, if convicted over a massive holiday food poisoning scam. So this particular person can expect one of the toughest sentences of the group of eight Britons if she's proved to be the ringleader of the alleged racket. She's from um, Essex. She's an expat, 43, describes herself on social media as an entrepreneur who now works in travel and trade and turns passions into paychecks. Um, this is all the way it, that it's described to me in the paper. She was charged with fraud and membership of a criminal gang this week after a long-running probe and police arrest in Mallorca. Eh, this was September in 2017. 
Now, it's taken from now to get this into the courts. Apparently, the investigating judge made it clear in the ruling made public on Wednesday the payouts obtained in the UK from the alleged fraud 2016 and 2017 exceeded £176,000. Prosecutors are expected to be invited to submit their indictments by the end of next month. Highly respected Majorcan-based lawyer Jaime Campana is representing the Ireland's Hotel Federation, which launched its own legal action running separately to the state prosecutors as part of the same criminal case. Um, this particular woman's lawyer is experienced Gabriel Yado, who said after his client appeared in court in May 2018 in a closed hearing that she'd admitted to passing on the names and phone numbers of holidaymakers for payment, but insisted it was part of a pure market research exercise. He also insisted in neither the um, alleged Uh, gang leaders or the so-called claims farmers used to gather data of tourists. This uh, woman passed on to others in the UK, encouraged the holidaymakers to get chemist receipts, say that they could make um, fake food poisoning claims as police and hoteliers representatives have claimed. Okay, Uh, the one thing that hits me very quickly about this is the amount of money that these lawyers must make. Um, You know, it's it's not just uh, this particular Spanish thing, but we have seen um, a spate of hotels being accused of the uh, food poisoning. Um, All that we can say, really, is that from our experience of what we see in the hotels, they do seem pretty well run, don't they, in in Spain? Yeah, I mean, exactly. But again, we've, we've also seen that there are genuine cases. I mean, we've actually had friends coming and staying um, near us or, you know, in our area. And they have had, you know, the sickness and, you know, everything else without too much information. But it was only when they came to the hotel. So it can happen. But I don't think on the scale that maybe, um, you know, some people are like that, aren't they, though? They'll um, they'll make a big thing about something because they think they might get a free holiday you know, or whatever. But um, in general, as you say, the hotels here are immaculate and it you're just unfortunate if you... Um, if you do get a bad one, really, I suppose part of the problem's got to be when, you, especially, you've got you, you've got uh, the heat, and then the air conditioning, because obviously we do know that germs can come from air conditioning. Um, however, that one we will obviously keep an eye on, and we'll see what comes through uh, through the courts. But please remember, isn't it lovely to be a lawyer? You are making lots of money, and uh, lots of people. In the meantime, are still suffering? Or are they? That's the point of the exercise by the look of things. Okay, so we're looking next at residents living near a Lancashire college. And they're saying, according to the newspaper, that they are trapped by nightmare parking as they struggle to use their cars during term time. Now, many residents who share the area with Cardinal Newman College in Preston 
said they dread having to move their vehicles because they know they won't be able to get back to their drives. Uh, They've also claimed that ambulances and bin lorries are unable to navigate the Chuckablock Street. Along the road opposite the college are many cars blocking driveways and dipped uh, curbs, with drivers ignoring numerous no-parking signs. Uh, I picked up a comment underneath the article, and it's a country lass, Manchester, uh, who says, beats me how college students can afford to run a car. I passed my test at 17 and five months and was 30 before before I bought my first car. And that was a struggle, even though I was working full time. I had to walk away from one purchase and buy a car that was a year older simply to reduce the cost of the insurance. I'm very surprised about this one. Mm, what do you surprised. think? Well, I mean, here in Spain, um, if you park illegally, you're slapped with a fine and your car is towed, towed away. So why can't they do that um, where, they, where they're talking about? I mean, if they're trapping, uh, stopping people coming into their own property, um, th- that should be a, a permanent traffic warden with a permanent, I mean, it's, if, you, if you're going to get a fine of 100, euro, 100 pounds every time you po- illegally park your car, surely if you're a student, you can't afford that. So th- you're going to find somewhere else. I mean, I, uh, no, I just can't understand that. Well, of course, it's, uh, it's a lot easier for the students whose parents can afford to yeah, l- let yeah. them have the car. But if it's impinging on people not being able to get out of their own houses... Well, yeah, but they know they're doing that. That's the, that's the worst part. I mean, we park so, so carefully, we don't interfere with anyone we make. We'd rather drive another five minutes to another parking space. But obviously they think, oh, well, everybody else is doing it. So, um, you know, I'll do it. Well, what surprises me, I think that they are just totally and utterly not facing the problem head on. If you've got your residence association, all you need to do is go and knock on about 20 or 30 doors and then take a petition down to the traffic department of the local town hall, Preston. I mean, you know, it's quite a civilised town um, and just get the traffic warden to go up and down every single day put in um yeah but the other thing is if they're going to do it every day just tow the car away and 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 say it's going to cost you whatever 250 pounds to get your car out they'd soon stop that and there's another thing they could do as well they could uh, go to the college and they could find a way of barricading the college entrance and i think you'll find that very very quickly the college authorities would come and sort some of that problem out by making rules so these students can't leave the cars in certain roads. Yeah, but why, why, why do these colleges don't have, um, I, I mean, no, maybe they do have sufficient parking for uh, people who are working there, like um, obviously the, the teachers and things like that. But maybe again, as you say, a lot of students can af- somehow can afford the parents have given them a car and then they can afford well let's be honest about it if you if you've left the car over somebody's drive and you know you've done it and people can easily see that because if there is yeah. a drop curb they know that a car's got to go in and out exactly then you deserve everything that's coming to you and yeah. and if it was me I'd be petitioning all the local neighbors to tow get them down away. just tow them away and and charge them not just 100 pound charge them 500 pounds 
to get the car back. Okay, something a wee bit lighter for a change. Not a lot of light stuff, um, really. I trawl through the papers looking for nice stories, I just don't see them. Okay, this is a lady called Samantha and uh, she's on a video sharing platform. So that immediately tells me she's after publicity. Uh, She discovered the hard way that combining cleaning supplies did not make them stronger and in fact makes them poisonous. She revealed that she'd been attempting to clean the kitchen ahead of the holidays but ended up creating a potentially lethal concoction. Um, the creator said her family was forced to coil a poison control. Uh, so, you know, once again, twice now we've had her um, handle so that you can get in touch with her. You know, th- this is how the papers work, by the way. Um she discovered the hard way that not combi- uh, that combining cleaning supplies didn't make them stronger. Blah de blah. We we know what's happened now. So um okay. Did you think many people would, would do something like that? Combi- combine a couple no, of things? Exactly, no. I mean, I'm, I'm a housewife and, and obviously been taught lots of things by my own mum. And you just don't. You use one thing uh, to clean the cooker, then you change and you do something for the floor, maybe. But you don't combine them. I mean, she's obviously just seeing if... Obviously, it says on uh, most of cleaning things that they're dangerous for drink, you know, like no children, don't touch, keep them out of reach. All the signs are there. So why are you using like a chemical potion to to prove something that nobody is going to do anyway? I can't understand that, you know. Okay, I think uh, we can read into this. Stupid girl, she is uh, (laughs) looking for publicity, gets in touch with the papers, got a nice picture of her, you know, probably um, breathing difficulties, off to social services. She's only brought it on herself. I mean, as you say, on the back of most poisonous or dangerous things, there's so much to say, don't, you know, there's like a triangle in red and, you know, wear plastic gloves gives you all that information so she's obviously just trying it on i don't know why yeah i think i think i know exactly why she's looking for more um likes yeah but you don't want to like that do you because oh no they do that's the whole point i know but you use your own common sense they don't seem to to care when the public can see how stupid they are that's the problem. Yeah, but the person that's liking it is stupid. There used then. to be there used to be an expression, you've got no shame. That's what we used to have with, with people around us when they did something absolutely stupid. They'd say, You've got no shame. Yeah, but surely uh, when people are reading that or looking at it or whatever she's doing, I mean, I've seen people say, Well, why do you do it? It's it's pretty obvious that you're doing something that normal people don't mix uh, dangerous things together. Won't you wear my ring around your neck to tell the world 
Okay, uh, parents going through a divorce could soon be given time off work under a new scheme. In the UK, of course. Bosses will change human resources policies to state that separation is akin to a family death or illness under the Positive Parenting Alliances scheme, backed by employer, employers like um, Tesco, Asda, NatWest. The scheme was revealed at an event in Parliament and the Times newspaper was reporting. It came after a study showed that 90% of workers surveyed said their work was badly affected when they divorced, while 95% said their mental health also suffered. The Times said around three quarters said they were less efficient at work, while around 40% said they had taken time off work as a result of their separation. Now then, listen to the name of this person, Mustafa Farouki. The head of employees relations at Tesco said the supermarket business had a responsibility to influence the lives of lots of working people in a positive way. Okay, another very down-to-earth name coming up, Sir Andrew McFarlane, president of the family division of the High Court, said that employers should be treating separation as a significant life event like bereavement or serious illness. Well, I don't know about you, but we'll look at a comment. Um, yet again, dutiful, hardworking and loyal workers will have to take up the slack and miss out while others are given time off. It's like allowing smokers to have an extra break time to indulge their addiction while non-smokers have to keep working. What about fairness for all? I think that's a very good comment. What mm. do you think? Yeah, exactly. I mean... Um um, my mum, uh, unfortunately, was divorced, and she was so happy that she was divorced. Well, afterwards, she didn't she didn't stop working. She was a district nurse, and it made her really happy because um, the solicitor sorted it out, and we were he, she was free of him, and all that carry on, and, and we were as well. But um, to say that it can be stressful, I think, but. Once you've made the decision to get a divorce, um, if you if you're going to have that d decision, surely you're going to be happier that you're divorced. It shouldn't make you feel sad or anything like that. But I mean, I don't know. It's a bit. Um, well, there's another comment. Let's see what you think of this one. I worked with someone. This is um, Annie R. One from Maidstone. Uh, I worked with someone who was part time, three days a week. And every dentist, doctor appointment, etc., was always on the days she was supposed to be working. When she got pregnant, all her appointments were also on those days. Didn't matter to her that the rest of us had to cover for her absences. Well, that's you see, inconsiderate, isn't it? Yeah, isn't that the way everything's gone? You, you know, um, it's not the company's fault that uh, your marriage hasn't worked out. No, no. But just going on that one thing, I mean, I, I, when I was working uh, th three days a week or three, three and a half days, something like that, if I had a, an appointment, like at a dentist or even to go to the doctor for something, um, anything at all, I'd say, oh, well, I can't do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You know, I can't do an appointment. It was like um, 
a respect for your job, uh, uh, plus the fact, you know, you're going to miss a day's pay. Uh, you're, as this woman's saying, or people say, you're inconveniencing all your co-workers. But it was like um, a normal thing to say, well, I can't do Monday, Wednesday, Friday because I'm working. I mean, why don't people do that? Look, I see a number of issues which other people will think I'm off the wall. But unfortunately, I look to try and join up the dots. First of all, I've seen for a long time that um, I think in many, many ways there has been an overall plan to make and weaken Britain. Uh, Britain in particular, and I would say England uh, definitely. I think that this has been going on for a number of years, so there's another way that it can affect the economy. And I also think that marriage has been under attack for a long time. Uh, it just so happens that it's to affect the family again. Now, OK, on the face of it, this all seems very, very innocent and um, should be helping some people who are going through difficult times, all that sort of stuff. But look at the bigger picture. I remember reading... Very, very early on, I tell you time and time again, I read in the Communist Party manifesto that if you defeat the family, you defeat capitalism. Okay, I didn't write that. That was written into the Communist Party manifesto written by Karl Marx and Engels. Uh, I think it was yeah, 1848. But, yeah, I, I, yeah, I totally agree with that. But um, it's not... Um, it's not somebody's fault if a marriage doesn't work out. Um, you know, we're, I'm lucky, you know, we've met the right person and things like that. And I've got lots of friends who have been married for 30, 40, 40 years. But it doesn't happen all the time. Um, I think you're very lucky if you do find the right person because it's a lot of give and take. Um, uh, over the years, you know, people. But they're change. making it easier for people to to, to yep. not give and take. I know, but that's the person uh, that's involved, either the man or the woman. You know, they oh, you know, we can't get on, we can't sort a problem out, so let's just get divorced. Not, don't worry about the kids being involved and things like that, and how the upset of, you know, you have the kids this weekend, I'll have the kids next weekend. You know, it, it's horrible for the children because, you know, they love mummy and daddy in general unless there's been violence in the family. I, I I do know from personal experience, if you've got a violent husband or mother or an addiction, uh, an addict or an alcoholic um, partner, yes, of course you want to get rid of them. You know, not to get rid of them, but you want to divorce it because it's affecting the whole of the whole of the family, not just not just the immediate family, you know, your in-laws in, and your brothers and your sisters of the extended family. It, it's, it's ruining loads of lives. So I do believe in divorce when it's absolutely necessary because why live in misery with somebody that you really, male or female, that it's just not working? I mean, but there are cases, as you say, they give in too easily, but... That's the own personal opinion. Okay, that's what's in the papers in the UK this week. Neil, not with us at the moment. And obviously, my thanks to Barbara Ann for being with me today. Okay, Vince, thank you very much. Hope it hasn't been. <laughs> well, we've talked about things, as Vince said. Um, they're all in the paper. It's not just us saying it or Vince saying it. 
he's actually reading it that everybody can read all this information and it's just our opinions and trying to make head and say sense of it um thank you very much for your company catch you next time